0: I say this every time, but it never fails to be true. Um, it is always an honor and a privilege to be able to open up the scriptures uh, with you and to, uh, to come before the Lord together and, and to hear from his word. And so um, if you have been tracking with us along this summer, we have kind of been using the lectionary texts through the passages of Ephesians, and we today are going to be in Ephesians chapter 6. So if you would like to turn with me in your Bibles to Ephesians chapter 6, um, we're going to be specifically um, looking at verses 18 through 20. Um, I was praying into uh, what I felt the Lord was leading me to share this week, and um, the Lord just really put prayer on my heart. And uh, as we were going through the lectionary text, I decided to kind of pass over the first chunk of Ephesians 6, and just to kind of focus in on uh, verses 18 through 20, and we will kind of take things from there. But um, again, I want to, yeah, just invite you to open your Bible with me to Ephesians chapter 6. We will read verses 18 through 20, and then we will take things from there. Uh, thank you so much, Dylan and Cassidy and Cass for helping out with the the kids with that. Um, again, as the uh, once we step into fall. Our kids' programming will kind of uh, fall, fall into normal suit, so uh, if you're visiting with us today and you're like, oh man, they don't have a, they don't have a kids' program, this place is littered with kids, <laughs> um, we have a kids' program, we just wanted to let you know that uh, this is a little bit out of the norm, so just to uh, give you peace of mind with that. Ephesians chapter 6, verses 18 through 20. Would you pray with me as we begin? Father, we come before you and we thank you for this day. We thank you for this opportunity to gather together as a community to worship you, to lift up our praises of who you are, and to open the scriptures, God. And we ask right now, Holy Spirit, that our hearts would and our minds would be open to what you would want to say to us, God. We just come before you, God, and we just desire that you would speak to us, God, not a preacher, not a speaker, but that you, Holy Spirit, would speak into our hearts, that you would give us life, and that your words would sustain and strengthen us for the, the task that, of which we've been assigned, God. Yes. And so we thank you for this time, and we ask that you would bless your word, and our hearts would be open to you. And all God's people said, amen. Amen. Well, when it comes to the topic of prayer, I think that I feel pretty safe and confident in saying that if we were honest with ourselves and if I were to take a poll of the people in this room, I think I would be pretty safe in guessing that when I bring up, if I were to ask you the question, how do you feel you are at prayer? (laughs) My guess, if I was just guessing, My guess is that probably somewhere between 90 to 98% of the people in this room would think to themselves, I got a ways to go in that. Um, I have not really met a lot of Christians who, when we talk about the discussion of prayer, I have yet to really meet some who are like, prayer? Oh man, I nail that thing every time. I'm so good at that. I'm so consistent. I've, I I love praying, like it's just, I just know what I'm doing all of the time. It doesn't feel awkward, I just, I know how to pray. And I know how to pray well, very well. And, and there's like, I have yet to meet that many Christians who can say that with a great deal of sincerity. Most of the time, there's like, uh, I, I guess I pray. <laughs> um, Kind of, I, I think I kind of know what I'm doing. I, I, I don't know. I, I feel like for most of us as Christians, prayer is to our spiritual lives what diet and exercise is to our physical lives. <laughs> it's like most of us know we need to do it. <laughs> most of us know and most of us have a general sense of what to do. It's like, well, yeah, like I know I need to eat less sugar and I know I should probably be eating more vegetables and stuff. And I guess if I were to go to the gym, I suppose I should lift something or there's that thing over there that I can run on. I like. I, I guess like there's, there's this sort of general sense of like, yeah, we know we need to do that, but I don't really know how. Have any of you have ever been to the gym and felt really awkward, or am I the, am I the only person in the room like who has felt that way when you go to the gym? You go to the gym and there's like these massive muscle bound dudes, and you're just walking in there, and they, they like they they feel like it's necessary that dental floss is an appropriate shirt, and it's just like they're just every muscle is just ripping through, and I'm just like standing there going like I. I I guess I lift these, and it's like, good night. Like, why are there so many mirrors in this place? Like, it's just, it's really intimidating and really awkward. It's like, I don't, I don't know what I'm supposed to do here. I feel that many of us as Christians, we kind of feel that way as it comes to prayer. It's like, yeah, I know I'm supposed to do that. I know that that's important. I know it's necessary, but I, I don't really know what to, to do. Exactly, And when you read a passage like this, when Paul is saying, pray at all times. Mm-hmm. Pray at all times in the spirit. Uh, you know, that can seem really intimidating when you read that passage. It can seem kind of overwhelming even when you go, pray at all times. Oh my gosh, I don't even... I don't even have a prayer time. <laughs> Let alone praying all of the t- what am I? I like it it feels awkward it can feel overwhelming. And so what I wanted to share with you this morning is my hope and prayer and I, I hope that it would be an encouragement because I actually believe that God has good news for you and that is if if you're in the posture like me where You know you need to pray, and you know you want to have a prayer life, but you're not really sure what it's supposed to look like or what it could look like, or I don't really know what this means exactly. I have good news for you because you are in the exact same company as the first disciples. The first disciples of Jesus, when they saw him praying, they came up to him, it records in the Gospels, and it says, Jesus, would you teach us how to pray? And Jesus answered their prayers. He answered their requests. And I believe that that Jesus is alive today and present and that he actually wants to teach us to pray just as he did his first disciples. And what's so interesting about how Jesus did this is when his disciples came to him and said, Jesus, would you teach us to pray? He did it, this is so beautiful and so simple. He just gave them a prayer to pray that was it. What's so fascinating about his methodology in this is that he did not give them a three-hour lecture on the history of prayer. He didn't give them a three-hour lecture on the psychology of what's really happening when you pray. He didn't invite them to a conference on prayer. (laughs) They're like, Jesus, we don't know how to pray. Can you teach us how to pray? And he gives them a prayer. One of of the most beautiful things that I love about how Jesus does this is he he rightly examines that the best way to learn how to do something is just to do it. It's just to simply do it. Sometimes I feel like in our modern um, educated ways, we overcomplicate things. We over, like, how am I supposed to figure out how to do that? And we, and we theorize it to the max to the point where it's just, a, it's just up in the clouds and like, I have no idea what that even means. And what we really need is just like, I just, you just need to do it. You just got to go through the rhythms and do it. it. I don't know if any of you are aware, but there are these classes right now that you can take online. They're called masterclass. I don't know if any of you are aware of these classes, they're the online platforms where basically leaders in tons of different fields, whether it's acting, or cooking, or photography, or screenwriting, or whatever it is, these people have come together through this platform of masterclass, and they've developed these classes where on an online setting, they just get to talk for a long time and teach you about whether it's acting or cooking or singing or whatever it might be. And what's fascinating to me is like these are world-renowned leaders in all of their fields. These are experts, they've won awards, they're professionals, they know what they're doing in their particular field. And what's fascinating to me when you think about that is that all of these people at one point in their lives didn't know what they were doing. Amen. Did you ever think about that? Like, I was thinking about, oh, I love the song Layla by Eric Clapton. Yeah. I love the song Layla. Like, clap, like, Clapton to me and his guitar playing is just fantastic. And I love the acoustic version and it gets to the middle of the song, it's like, And it just like, he just riffs, and it's beautiful, and it's incredible. And I just, like, I could sit in that song for a long time. Like, oh, this is so good. But what's fascinating to think about Clapton is that one point he was a 14-year-old kid sitting up in his mom and dad's house playing the scales, (laughs) not knowing what he was doing, right? There was one point in Eric Clapton's life where he was not a pro where he was not a master, where he did not know what he was doing, where he had to just sit up in his room, playing the scales and doo, 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 and going back and forth because he didn't know what he was doing. But he has honed his craft to the degree that he's one of, the, one of the best guitar players ever. And what I wanna share with you in that is that there, I have good news is that we can actually learn to pray well we can actually learn to pray well. It doesn't have to stay this obscure thing that's only for the really spiritually elite, but they're for the everyday follower of Jesus who says, Jesus, I don't know what I'm doing, <laughs> but I wanna learn how to pray. So would you teach me to pray? And, this is the, and the prayer that Jesus gives his disciples, is what we come to know as the Lord's Prayer. And this is what he gives them. And he says, pray this. Pray this prayer. And what I have, over time, what I have come to find so fascinating and so beautiful about this simple prayer of Jesus that he gives his disciples is that if we could actually learn to pray it consistently, I believe, I actually do believe, that it has the power to teach us how to pray well, because of how it can actually reposition our hearts. This prayer is fascinating in how it can actually reposition our hearts. And I wanna share why. How many of you, if you were being, if, if you were being honest, and you think about the times where you have prayed consistently or prayed fervently, I'll be honest with you, lots of times my fervent, consistent prayer begins in problems. (laughs) Right? My most consistent, fervent prayers begin in crisis. (laughs) It begins when finances are tight, It begins when the marriage is hard. It begins when the walls might seem like they're caving in around me. Boom, I'm on my knees, (laughs) right? And what's so interesting is like, I I never want to discourage anybody from praying. If you go through the Psalms, most of the Psalms are like, God, I need help. And there's nothing wrong with crying out to God when you need it. There's nothing wrong with that. It is far better in a place of despair and in discouragement, it is far better to pray than not to pray. Okay, so I don't wanna give you that impression. But what happens is that if we only learn to pray when it's a crisis, what that ends up happening to our spiritual lives is that it forms us in a way that God is only there to fix my problems. Did you catch that? What that does to our spiritual lives is it reinforces an idea in our society that the world actually revolves around me. The world is actually about me and my problems and my situation and my stuff. And God exists to fix my problems. God exists for my will to be done. And I would like to submit to you that that's a a wrong way to approach prayer. In fact, that's actually a wrong way to approach life because it isn't all about you. It isn't about your stuff at the end of the day. Jesus taught us to seek his kingdom first and the rest of it will get figured out. The rest of it will get figured out. But what's fascinating about the prayer, the Lord's prayer that he gives, is if we will actually pray it consistently, if we would actually learn to pray it in a way, not just that we, we just say it without thinking it, but if we pray it fervently, if we pray it like we mean it, it actually repositions and repostures our heart so that I become a person who I'm actually becoming concerned with God's will being done, not that God is concerned with my will being done. Does this make sense? Yeah. So what I would like to do with our time is I actually want to just briefly share with you my liturgy of prayer. I just want to walk you through what I have worked through. This is my liturgy of prayer. It's a very fancy, I, uh, I'm, a, <laughs> I'm a very fancy person. I ripped a page out of my journal, and through time and prayer, I've developed a simple little liturgy of prayer. And I seek to try, At least to pray this every day. This is how I pray. Now, if you feel to, if you hear liturgy of, what is liturgy of prayer? One thing you need to know, liturgy is a Latin word which means the work of the people. It's our expressive ways that we worship and we come into alignment with God through the things that we do, okay? Secondly, you need to understand everybody has a liturgy, Everybody has a liturgy. You don't have to be attending some sort of stuffy, boxed-in church to have a liturgy. The fact is, we are creatures of habit. Does this make sense? God has actually designed us to be creatures of habit. As I'm looking out at the sanctuary and I see many familiar faces, you're all sitting in the same spots. You know why? You're creatures of habit. <laughs> and you want to sit in the same spot because you naturally want to have the same experience. And if you were to sit on the other side of the church, it's like, where, where am I? What is going on right now? It, is just, it freaks you out. It plays with your head. Because you're a creature of habit. And so the question is not whether or not you have a liturgy. The question is, not, is do you have a liturgy that's helpful? Do you have a liturgy that's helping to shape you in a way that is Christ-centered and Christ-forming? That's the question. It's not whether or not you will have a habit. It's whether or not you have good habits. And what's, yeah, we we need, and I believe, we need to have spirit-informed habits, (laughs) if that makes sense. We need to have spirit-infused habits to form us into the way of Jesus. And so what I want to do is I want to just take you through. Now, I'm not not saying this is the only way to pray. But if you're like me and you're going, I actually want to have a prayer life that isn't just about my problems. (laughs) It isn't just rehashing my circumstances and all this stuff. Maybe my hope is that this could actually just be a helpful way to start, perhaps. So what I want to do is I believe the Lord's Prayer line by line, as I have studied it, as I've prayed it, as I've sought to follow Jesus in the ways of prayer. I actually believe that the Lord's Prayer is like a diving board into the ocean of God's love and into a life of prayer with God. I treat every line of the Lord's Prayer not as an end to itself, but a beginning, like a diving board. And so what I'm going to, I just want to share it with you with the remainder of our time. So the Lord's Prayer begins like this. Our Father in heaven. And I stop. And I stop right there. Imagine you are in the middle of a crisis. Imagine an unexpected bill shows up. Imagine you had the third fight with your spouse again. <laughs> Imagine the pink slip shows up and you're out of work. The natural tendency is to pray from the problem, right? right? The natural tendency in our hearts is to pray from the problem. And listen, I don't want to discourage you from praying from the problem. We all, we're all going to do that. But what if, what if you began your prayers? Just humor me for a moment. What if you began your prayers from a place of acknowledging the Father's love and goodness over your life? What if you sat down in your prayer closet or you sat down at your table or wherever it is that you pray and you started praying, Father, and you just took a moment To sit in the love of God. Mm -hmm. What if you just took a minute, two minutes, three minutes. To just sit and soak in the incredible love that God has towards you. What if you started your prayer not from your problem. But you started your prayer from Father. And you began by just, this is what I do. I say these lines, Holy Father, Abba Father, I welcome you into this time and I thank you for your love, Father God. Lord Jesus Christ, I welcome you into this time and I receive your love, Lord Jesus Christ. And Holy Spirit, I welcome you into this time And I receive your love, Holy Spirit. And I just, I try and put aside all of the distractions. I try and put aside all of the problems that I'm facing. And I actually just try and sit in the love of God and receive the love of God and receive the affection that He has towards me. Because guess what? If all I ever do is pray the problem, all I will do is pray problem prayers. If all I ever do is pray from my anxiety, all I will ever pray is anxious prayers. If all I ever do is pray from my fear, all I'll ever pray is fear-filled prayers. But if I can learn to sit and just rest and soak in the love of God, I will pray from the love of God. I will pray from the abundance of His goodness towards me. And I actually believe the Lord's prayer is designed in such a way, beautifully, powerfully by Jesus, to not just give us a prayer to pray, but to actually shift our hearts. So that's how I start my prayer. I sit in the love of God, and I just receive it. And sometimes that's as far as the prayer goes, right? Because it messes you up. (laughs) But you just sit and you receive it. Second thing hallowed be your name. The most natural thing to do in the world when you receive the love of God is you just wanna love him back. You just want to worship. You just, you're like, your heart begins to like, I just wanna praise you. And so the next line of of the prayer is that. Hallowed be your name honor be to your name, glory be to your name. Your name is so much higher than anything else. And you let yourself begin to worship. I heard a preacher say one time, he said, if you only had 10 minutes to pray and nine minutes of it was worship, that was a good prayer time. (laughs) Like, there's nothing wrong with that. Like, oh, what was your prayer time? like, I don't know, I just praised Jesus. Well, good, that's a great place. (laughs) That's a great prayer time. And this is what I say. This is my liturgy. We praise you, God, that you are merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. All glory and honor and power belong to you, O Lord. You are worthy of it all, God. And we thank you for every good and perfect gift you give to us, Lord. We thank you that you forgive all our sins and heal all our diseases. We thank you that you redeem our lives from the pit and crown us with steadfast love and mercy. We thank you that you satisfy us with good so that our youth is renewed like the eagles. We bless you, Lord. And I pray that, that Psalm 103, I just pray it. I pray it back to God, hallowed be your name. The next line, your kingdom come, and your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. This is where I, I, I take my time, in my, within, sandwiched within my prayer time, I read scripture. And this is what I, at this point in my prayer, in my prayer time, this is where I come to this, and I say, we thank you, Lord, for revealing your will to us in your Son, Jesus Christ. Give us a spirit of wisdom and revelation as we open your written word, that we may be as you are and do your will in this world. And I begin, and I read my, I read my Bible. <laughs> because we believe that Jesus is the word of God, amen? but we also believe that the scripture bears witness to Jesus, and so I read the scriptures because I want to know Jesus. I want to have my mind renewed and my heart awakened to who Jesus is, and so I read the scriptures and I say, God, I want your will to be done in my life. I want your kingdom to come in my life and through my life, and that's where I read the scriptures from from that place, and so what I do is I have my scriptures reading, and maybe something profound happens, and maybe nothing profound happens, but I read the scriptures, okay, and then I, sometimes I'll pray just a, a kind of a, my own made-up prayer in the spirit of the text, or maybe I'll journal, whatever, but that's what I do, and then after that, I include the prayer of Saint Francis, that the Lord would actually make me an instrument of, what, of his will being done. If you're not aware of the prayer of St. Francis, I'm gonna read it for you, okay? It says this, Lord, make me an instrument of your peace. Where there is hatred, let me sow love. Where there is injury, pardon. Where there is doubt, faith. Where there is despair, hope. Where there is sadness, joy. Where there is darkness, light. O oh, Divine Master, grant that I might so much, not so much seek to be consoled as to console, to be understood as to understand, to be loved as to love, for it is in giving we receive, it is in pardoning that we are pardoned, and it is in dying that we are born to eternal life. And I pray this. I pray this prayer over my day, that I say, God, would you make me that kind of a person today? Would you make me an instrument of your will wherever I go with whomever I'm with that I would be as you are and share your love and share your truth and share your goodness to the people around me? And I do all of that. I try my very best to do all of that before I pray my problem. I still have my problems. I still have my struggles. But I do my best to not let that interfere with how the Lord has taught me to pray. And then from there, what's, this, is, this is what's so beautiful and profound about the prayer, is that when Jesus teaches us to pray the Lord's Prayer, it's not that you're just forgotten about. It's not that you are no longer an individual with real needs and real problems. It's that the prayer actually teaches us to reorient our priorities. Because now we're moving into the prayer where Jesus says, give us this day our daily bread. How many of you pray for finances and you pray for like, I need a raise or I need this thing. Give us this day our daily bread. There's time to pray into that. Mm -hmm. Or how many of you pray when you have a relational crisis and there's struggle and there's strife and there's, there's this ugly tension in the relationship? Well, forgive us our debts as we forgive those who we have grieved. There's time to pray into that too. How, or how many of you pray when you're facing temptation, when you're facing a real struggle? You want to get angry, or you want to lash out, or you want to, you, you, you're like, oh, this is a thing is really, really hard. Lead us not into temptation. You have time to pray for that too. You have time to pray for that too. Or maybe, or maybe cancer has just struck your family. Or maybe the walls are caving in. Or maybe everything is a crisis. And guess what? You have time to pray for that too. Deliver us from evil. Yeah, amen. It's the last. Deliver us from evil, God. You have time to cry out to God on behalf of these terrible circumstances. Deliver us from evil, God. Yeah. You have time for all of those things. But I believe the Lord. I, I believe it so strongly. He's actually teaching us to pray the prayer in order... So that our hearts become reoriented, so that I need to seek first the kingdom of God. I need to be a person who seeks first his kingdom, his will being done, his, his agenda. And when we submit our lives to his agenda first, everything else gets figured out. All of the internal struggle, the strife, the conflicts, all the stuff that typically can comprise so much of our prayer lives, I believe if we will entrust ourselves to seek first the kingdom of God, that that stuff, we can actually have faith, those things will get figured out. I just want to briefly, very, very briefly, because I know that, yeah, my time is just about finished. This is what I pray. This is what I pray before I pray, when I pray into my financial needs, struggles, those things. Give us this day our daily bread. We thank you, Lord, for meeting all of our needs according to your riches and glory in Christ Jesus. That's Philippians 4. Give us the strength and peace of mind to seek your kingdom first, trusting that all of our needs will be taken care of. That's Matthew 6. And then I pray my stuff. (laughs) Right? I pray from the place of promise, not the place of problem. I pray from the place of promise, of scripture, of truth, and then I pray my problem. Then I lift up, hey, I need more bookings this week. I need this, I, I, we, we gotta figure this out. But I pray from the place of promise and of truth, okay? Forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. There is a beautiful prayer Called Most Merciful God, and I take time and I pray through this. I take time and I pray this simple prayer called Most Merciful God. If you're unfamiliar with it, I will read it to you. It says, This Most Merciful God, we confess that we have sinned against you in thought, word, and deed, by what we have done and by what we have left undone. We have not loved you with our whole hearts, and we have not loved our neighbors as ourselves. We are truly sorry, and we humbly repent. For the sake of your Son, Jesus Christ, have mercy on us and forgive us, that we may delight in your will and walk in your ways, to the glory of your name. Amen. And why I do this and why I pray this prayer, it's not about some sort of route confession where it doesn't mean anything. I pray this prayer consistently because I actually want to leave time and space in my everyday life to be like, God, if I'm off... Tell me. I actually leave space after I pray this. I leave space, and I say, Holy Spirit, if I haven't forgiven someone, would you show me? If I'm carrying offense towards someone, show me. If if there's anything grievous going on in my heart right now, show me. And this is not to to play the guilt game, God's a good dad. But if there's, some, if there's this place where you're, you're veering off, I just want to keep short accounts with God and go, if I'm off here, reveal it to my heart and show me. And you can, you can take that time and you can forgive who you need to forgive or you, you can ask for forgiveness yourself. You can repent, boom, done, right there we go. <laughs> it's beautiful and it's simple. But it actually... I actually want to leave time and space in my prayer to go, God, if I'm off somewhere, show me. Because I wanna walk in step with you. And what I also find important too, it says, all these prayers are in the plural. We confess, even though I'm praying this on my own, in my, my quiet time, what these prayers do is they acknowledge that I'm not just an isolated individual all by myself but that I am part of a community. I am part of a humanity. And I recognize that we collectively have, have sinned against God. We collectively need mercy. We collectively need God's grace and forgiveness and healing and hope. And when you, pl- when you pray in the plural, what you can acknowledge is you can remember, hey, it's not just about me and God, but it's about us and God. It's about our community, our world, our nation. We, it's, it's us together. And so maybe you don't feel like, I I actually don't feel like I have anything between you and the Lord. It's like, okay, well, I can pray this prayer believing for God, like what Connor shared this morning prophetically. We cry out for mercy. Mercy triumphs over judgment. Most merciful God, have mercy on us. And you can actually give a little bit of space and time to ask God to shower us with his mercy. Quickly, lead us not into temptation, you got struggles, you got temptations, you've got trials that you're facing. I pray Psalm 23. I'm not going to go through it right now. It's very well known. But I pray Psalm 23 into my problem. I pray Psalm 23 into my problem. And that's what I do. And then lastly, deliver us from evil. (laughs) And this is where you you cry out for deliverance. (laughs) This is where you cry out for help. This is where you cry out because... That's the only thing you can do. But I believe profoundly that Jesus wants to shape us as a people of prayer. That Jesus wants to make us a people who pray not just our problems, not just our circumstances, but we actually pray from his goodness. We pray from his love. We pray from his mercy towards us, and we pray his kingdom come. And from that place, we are free to to pray our stuff and pray our struggles. But my hope in my prayer this morning is that I hope that this would be helpful to any of you. This is not me saying this is the only way to pray. It's not. But this has been helpful for me in cultivating a prayer life that isn't just about my stuff. But it's actually, I believe, forming me and reforming my mind and reforming my heart in a way that I want to be the kind of person who does not just respond to problems, but I actually, I actually respond in a Jesus kind of way.